0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right. Um, It's good to see you all. Uh, Like uh, I think uh, Damaris was saying, it's good to see faces. And uh, if you're still behind a mask, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure soon enough, we'll get to see your face. And uh, this morning, if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome once again. Welcome to those uh, joining us online. Um, it's a pleasure to have you, and I'm really excited um, to be speaking this morning because we're starting a new series, and the title of the series is Cross-Culture. And uh, if you haven't been with us uh, over the past few months, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. And this week we come into Acts chapter 15, which is an incredible uh, part in the story because it is a confluence or it's an intersection uh, in the story of Acts and God's big story right from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, beyond that, it also includes us. Uh, Another great reason why I think this story uh, is is incredible and a good time for you to join us is that Acts chapter 15 is like one of the keys to understanding the whole book of Acts and in fact the New Testament. In other words, if uh, Acts or this story of the New Testament was like a thriller novel or a thriller movie, if you took a comfort break at this moment and returned in Acts chapter 16 you'd miss the point of the whole story. One commentator says this about Acts chapter 15. It stands at the very center of the book. Not only is this true of its position halfway through the text, but it is also central in the development of the plot of the book. Now, a bigger reason why I'm excited for us to be talking this morning and why I think this is a great time for you to be tuned in is that the story that we're looking at is a great debate. And it answers particularly two questions. What or who can be accepted as a Christian? Who can be accepted as a Christian? Or if we answer it differently, what does it take to be welcomed in God's community, the people of God? Are there any prerequisites? Is there is there, is there something that you need to do? Is there some special course that you need to go to? Secondly, it answers the question how should you live as a Christian? So who can be accepted and how should you live? And so whether you're just inquiring from the outside, looking in what, what's this Christianity deal all about, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for, for just a few days, just a few weeks, or you've been following Jesus for years. It is important that you are clear and biblically informed on how to answer those two questions. Not only will it affect the quality of your life from here on end, it will also affect the quality of your relationships. And so shortly, we're going to dig into the story. We'll start with the introduction. We'll just read six verses. But before we do that, let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you that you're such a good and a kind God. And um, even as we sang that, you are enough. We thank you that's not a song for those who are just going through great circumstances or great situations. But it's also a song that we can sing in times of lament. Because we know you're a God who cares for us, who looks after us when we are In the valley, when we're in difficulties, we can still come and lay our complaints at your feet because we know you are enough and you care. Thank you that the church is not for people who are just in a happy place or who feel like their lives are going smoothly or well or comfortable. But you say, let everyone who's weary and heavy laden come to me and I will give you rest. And so this morning, Lord, I ask for your rest. I ask for your rest for the weary. I ask for your rest for the heavy laden. I pray for the breaking of bonds. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to set captives free, to declare freedom for prisoners and the acceptable year of God's favour, the year of Jubilee. And so we welcome the work of your Holy Spirit among us. As we look at these big questions, who can be accepted and how should we live as Christians? I pray that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, do your work within our hearts and in our minds. Build your church. And Lord, we are excited as we look forward to baptism later. And we just ask that your blessing will be upon each individual and upon us as a church. Amen. Great. So I will read from Acts chapter 15 and um, you can just follow. It should be up. So what's just happened for those who are not with us is that we saw uh, these Two men, Paul and Barnabas, sent out into a new region in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey from uh, Syria or Palestine. And this was the first time that the, the gospel was breaking through out of the Middle East, as it were, in a wholesale way into the rest of the nations, what is commonly called the Gentiles in the Bible. And we saw them going from town to town, harassed but yet uh, proclaiming the gospel and God was working through them, bringing about deliverance, bringing about healing, and people were coming to faith in Jesus. And after they'd gone through those same towns and strengthened the believers by uh, sharing and encouraging them that they were on the right track by believing in this message of the grace of God and that suffering was a part of it they appointed uh, leaders to watch the churches and returned to their home base, their home church in Syrian Antioch. And this is where we jump into the story. And then some men came down from Judea. So Judea is kind of Palestine, Israel. This is the mother region, as it were. And they were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicians, Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. Actually, that the Gentiles that people in the nations are actually being saved without circumcision, without the law of Moses. And this brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, And we'll stop there for now. Wait, let's have So the questions we're asking, who can be accepted as a Christian? For those who believe the message of Christianity, this is not just a message of life and death, but a message of eternal significance. Big question. And how should we live? How should you live the rest of your life? Now, to understand this debate, I, I know it seems kind of, out of context, out of what we do today. You need to understand that the early community of Jesus followers, when we've started the book of Acts from Acts 1 to to Acts 7, who was made up completely of Jews or those who had converted to Judaism. And so even as you read throughout the book of Acts from the outside world looking in, they saw Christianity as a sect of Judaism. You need to understand that Jesus and the early church did not set out to start a new religion. In fact, Jesus himself submitted himself completely to the law of Moses and he spoke highly of it. And I just want to explain what I mean when we kind of talk about the law and what's referred to in that. Sometimes when they talk about the law of Moses, it refers to the first five books of our Bibles, which is called the Torah, or we can call it the Pentateuch. And this was highly spoken of by Jesus. Listen to what he says in Matthew 5. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. By that, he means the entire Old Testament. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, not not the, the least mark in, the, in Greek writing. We'll pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And this was easy to teach, easy to follow, Until now, we see a large influx of non Jews coming into the church, as had been seen by Paul and Barnabas, and this church in Syria and Antioch, mainly made up of non Jews. So we see this group of believers coming from Judea and saying, Hey guys, we really love the setup that you have, we love what's happening here that you guys. Are coming to the Jewish Messiah, but there are a few things that Paul and Barnabas and the rest of the teachers, some of the fine prints that they've just neglected to teach you. And so firstly, to be accepted, you must be circumcised. By the way, you know, Jesus was circumcised, right? Because that's what God said to Abraham. Look, it's right here in the Bible. You you believe the Bible, right? There in Genesis 17, says, This is my covenant, which you shall keep. Between me, you, your offspring after you, every male shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Now at this point, I'll forgive the ladies for thinking, hey, that sounds a bit graphic, but sorry, it's in the Bible. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring. Like, hey guys, do you see it includes foreigners? Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Actually, in Hebrew, you go that way. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And then all the men who've been through the rites of passage are thinking, yeah, what's the big deal? Okay, listen to the second point. Not only must you be circumcised to be accepted, but you're now obliged to follow The whole law of Moses. So as a way to live, in answer to the second question, follow the law of Moses. You know Jesus followed the law of Moses, right? Now, you need to understand that this was an incredibly compelling and powerful message for the non-Jewish believers at the time so compelling and so powerful that in the region where Paul and Barnabas had initially gone in Galatia, they adopted this message and wanted to get circumcised and follow the law of Moses. And that's when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians. It was so powerful that though Barnabas and Saul were these two respected leaders, the church said, hey, we we can't solve it here. It's just not enough for us to hear from Barnabas and Saul. We need to go to the mother church. We need to go where this thing started. We need to go to Jerusalem. And may I suggest four reasons why this message was so compelling? It was because of blessing, behavior, belonging, and becoming. Blessing. How could these non-Jews who were previously cut off from God's promise to Abraham, access this blessing of being part of his people. The Jewish heritage and pedigree that went down 1,500 years. How could they just think they could join that rich heritage? If not by becoming completely like the Jews. That's what they'd always done in the synagogue, If if you wanted to come into Judaism, you had to be circumcised. Then you had to go through the ceremonial washing. Then you had to take upon yourself the yoke of the law. How could you just think that you could access that blessing just like that? Behavior. The morality of the Jews was so attractive to the outside world because it was starkly contrasted to the morality of the greco-roman world because the other gods didn't require moral or ethical behavior in fact i was just reading a story in a book about zeus and the story goes that he raped his mother that zeus is a greek god and then had a daughter with his mother and then he proceeded to rape his daughter and had another child. And so you can imagine if that's the kind of God that you believe in, it's a completely immoral society. And so now these non-Jews who've been living in this totally world devoid of morality and ethics, how, how could they know how to behave? How, how do you know how to behave unless you come to the letter of the law and belonging? The Jews had so many powerful signs and symbols of who they were. It, you saw it in the way they ate. You saw it in the way they dressed. You saw it in their haircuts. You saw it on their tassels. You saw it on their doorposts. You, you saw it in their feasts, their festivals, that we are God's special people. ha huh? How could you have this sense of belonging unless you became completely like them? And becoming, this has to be the mic drop. Jesus himself was a Jew, circumcised, followed the law. How could you become like Jesus unless you did the things that he did? You might be wondering, well, why does that matter today? Well, people are still trying to answer these questions all over the world. How can I access God's blessing? You remember the song? The Lord bless me. Is it you? And keep you. It became a global phenomenon. You know it's from numbers, right? You know it was a blessing that was pronounced not on the nations, but on Israel. And this is why it seems like Christianity has been turned into a commercial enterprise. It's because people are looking for this blessing. And so if somebody says, hey, I've, I've found the blessing, this is where it is. The mass of people go, hey, this is how you get it. Give, sow into this ministry. Hey, this is how you get it. Do this prayer. You know, I've done this prayer scheme. I've been waking up at 3 a.m. and and doing these specific set of prayers. Man, it's changed my life. And this is especially powerful for us Africans, right? Come on, this this is how we've always related to God for centuries, if not millennia. That you, you need to do something for God. You can't just expect God to bless you like that. And I've seen it at work powerfully in my own life, particularly around finances. I tell you, when, if something goes wrong with my finances, if, if I lose money in the house, if a deal goes bad, I begin to think... Maybe I'm not giving enough. You know, that's it. I, I, need, I need to give more. And then God will bless me. Maybe I've, I've tied that blessing. And I know some of us, you're not thinking, I, I need to give more. You're thinking, there's someone out there who's holding on to my blessing. And maybe you're here. And if you're honest, you are seeking God's blessing upon your life and you know what there's nothing wrong with that scripture gives us permission to seek God's blessing because God promised Abraham and said to him I will bless you and through you all the nations that's you and I of the world will be blessed the problem is not whether you should seek it The question you need to ask yourself is, what really is God's blessing, and how do you access it? And then secondly, how should I behave as a follower of Jesus? For some of you, if you're really honest, this is a daunting question, and actually it's what's prevented you from following Jesus. What would you do with the rest of your life after saying that prayer, getting baptized? Do we we just give you a Bible? And say, hey, read it from cover to cover and and, and follow it as best as you can. Will it suck the life out of you? Will you have to stop doing all the fun things that you like to do? Or maybe we just give you the Ten Commandments as as a starter pack. And say, hey, just, okay, we're just starting, just make sure you avoid these ten things, right? You can do that, just ten things, come on and then try read your Bible every day. Also try praying every day and then um, give 10% of your income. You know, that's that's not too much to ask, is it? Um, attend meetings regularly. Okay, now you need to stop watching porn and sleeping with your girlfriend and then, okay, by the way, you need to stop paying your taxes and all. yeah, also you need to stop lying on social media and the list goes on and on. So how can you know how to behave as a Christian if not through the letter of the law? Thirdly, how can I cultivate a sense of belonging amongst God's people? You know, how can the outside world, how, how can my identity and belonging start to shine through? And as a foreigner, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Zimbabwe. This, this is a powerful thing. My wife and I were in Safaricom recently getting our lines registered before they said, okay, it doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) And I I don't know what happened, but I think my wife overheard someone's name. And it was a Shona name, so we are Shona. And she just smiled. And then she started speaking to this guy in Shona, it's like, hey, you know. You and I, we, we come a, a long way, man, and we exchange numbers. Now, if we're in South Africa, if I heard someone speaking in Shona, I would smile on the inside. But on the outside, I'll just have my game face. Now, I don't want anyone to know that I'm not a South African. And so how can, how can someone know that you belong in the church? Is it... By the blessing and the wealth, now my life has changed. Oh, my God. He is good. Just, just look at everything, a double, double. My life has changed. I'm, I'm now belonging. Is it now by the special clothes I wear on a Sunday? Man, just, just look at that, that smart dress. This guy surely belongs. And if you're looking smart today, please continue to look smart. Is it through posting verses and encouraging words on social media on your on your status that the world may know? Is it by saying really articulate prayers at family gatherings? Starting your sentence, praise the Lord. Amen. You kind of ask yourself okay, can I can I still eat pork? Can I I still eat blood? And I know the last one kind of sounds a bit vampirish, but don't pretend like you don't eat mutura. <laughs> and how, how can I become more like Jesus? Now, answering each of these questions potentially needs a sermon or a series of sermons on its own. And so I want to give you guys some homework. This is what I want you to do as the first application. I'd like you to set aside an hour this week, read through the letter to the Galatians from start to finish, and preferably before you meet for life group, and then try answer each of those questions for yourself, because what we're trying to do here is not teach you what to think, but teach you how to think, and so how can I access the blessing, how can do I behave? How can I belong? How do I become like Jesus? As for today, to make my job easy, I'd like to finish by looking at how Paul and Barnabas reacted to this situation. And we come back to our text we see in verse 2. It says that Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension with them. And I know dissension is not a word we ordinarily use in everyday conversation. Some of the other translations say they had a heated argument, a serious argument, major argument. We see that Paul and Barnabas took what was being said very seriously. And in today's world where you can get cancelled, and it seems that the chief virtue is now tolerance and niceness, this kind of serious major argument would make us uncomfortable. And this word that's used for dissension, in the rest of the New Testament, six out of ten times, it's, it's used for insurrection or rioting. And so, figuratively speaking, Paul and Barnabas started a riot. And we need to pause at this moment and say, have we become comfortable with false teaching? within the church? Do we kind of just wave it away and say, hey, you're entitled to your own opinion, I'll stick to my own opinion, but let's not disturb the peace. Paul and Barnabas say, look, you can have your own opinion about whether Kenya Kwanzaa or Azimio La Umoja and who should be running mate, that's fine. You can have your own opinion about which is the best recipe for making apple crumble. That's okay. You can have your own opinion about whether it's (laughs) Liverpool or Chelsea, but definitely not Man United. That's okay. But when we come to matters of salvation, when we come to matters of how people are put right with God, when we come to matters of what it takes to be accepted as one who belongs to God, when it comes to matters of what it takes, what it means to live as a believer and follow Jesus, we need objective truth. And what was that truth? Well, the story where we are today kind of leaves us in suspense. But I believe that Paul would say that it's all about the cross of Christ. Listen to what he says after wrapping up his discussion and his letter to the Galatians. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but new creation. In Corinth, Paul says, when I came to you guys, I resolved in my mind to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. I know the Greeks wanted me to talk about signs, and I know, uh, I know the Jews wanted signs, and the Greeks wanted wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. In Philippians, Paul says, hey, if we wanted to compete on Jewishness, I tell you, there's no one with a better pedigree. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. And when it comes to following the law and the righteousness that is of the law, I was faultless. But everything that I would consider gain, when now I consider Christ, I counted all as loss. And that word translated as loss, he's saying, I counted all as dung or cow dung. And you can think of even more colorful terms than that. And he says, what I want is to share in the resurrection of Christ. In fact, I want to share in his suffering and death that through that, I may share in his resurrection. And so Paul says, hey, you guys want to talk about blessing? Well, let's talk about the one who had it all. And when he opens the letter to the Ephesians, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Tell me, what are you going to add to that? When it comes to behavior, okay, I died with Christ. My old nature died. My old way of life was dead, is buried, and now I live in the resurrection power. And so he says, it is not I through the law died to the law. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This life I live in the faith. I This life I live in the flesh. I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Tell me, what are you going to add in behavior than Christ himself living in me? When it comes to belonging, he says, I, I am marked with the scars of Christ. I might say, Praise the Lord, Amen, Hallelujah. But what's gonna mark me out is this new life that I live, that I carry my cross. And you can see that there is something supernatural, there is new creation that has broken out. There's no other way to explain this than that new creation has come. And when it comes to becoming like Jesus, there is no other way than the way of the cross. And friends, as a church, we're not here to give gimmicks. We're not here to give seven points to improving your life or four ways For you to have a better business, although we might have some business coaching sessions. We will have marriage coaching sessions. We will have parenting coaching sessions. But I want each and every one of us to be crystal clear that what we offer, the foundation, the power, is the power of the cross. And this morning, we've got a unique opportunity to see that power fully on display as we head for baptism. Because people are not being baptized into one tribe church. People are not being baptized into the teaching of one tribe church. They're not being baptized into the eldership because none of these things can save. Only Christ who died and rose again and faith in him. And so as we head for baptism, it's a celebration and a reminder of the power of the cross. And if you're taking nothing else from my message, I want to leave you with two simple equations. Jesus, that is Christ crucified, plus anything is equal to nothing. God said he will not share his glory with another. It's Christ and him crucified plus nothing that's equal to everything. Jesus plus anything is equal to nothing. Jesus plus nothing is equal to everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonder and the glory Of this message I know it may sound foolish and it may sound weak but to those who are being saved it is Christ the wisdom of God and the power of God and so Lord this morning I pray that your wisdom and your power would be at work in lives I invite the work of your Holy Spirit I invite the work of transformation this reality that you die with Christ and are raised together with him that through that, you inherit the promises that belong to Abraham. Through that, you can live a completely new life because the message of the cross is powerful. We pray as a church that would be centered on this message. We would not swerve to the left or to the right. We would not be moved by cultural pressures would not be moved by the needs that seem to scream loudest. But would we proclaim this message that is of first importance, that Jesus died. And on the third day, he was raised again for our sins and justification. And that we have a resurrected Lord. A Lord who is alive, who is working in people's hearts and lives. A Lord who is still producing testimonies. A Lord who is still turning lives around. A Lord who is still turning situations around. A Lord who is still breaking depression. A Lord who is still bringing joy. A Lord who still brings peace with his anxiety. A Lord who still heals. A Lord who still mends marriages. A Lord who still mends relationships. A Lord who still gives hope to the hopeless and purpose to the purposeless because he is alive. And let this be our boast the cross of Christ through which we are crucified to the world and the world is crucified to us. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision benefit anything but a new creation. Thank you, Lord. Amen.